0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Triple R show. Rediscover, rejuvenate, renew yourself with your very own Rajvi Shandha. So, every other week, we bring on inspiring personalities to make you and me happier, stronger, and healthier through Hidden, mystic, and scientific techniques. And this week, we have Dr. James Hart, a celebrated research scientist the founder of the Biocybernod Institute, a true genius in the field of biofeedback. This humble master has worked with Tony Robbins and various other high-powered executives to elevate their state of consciousness. This brainwave expert and meditation expert, has been working over 40 years in the field of hacking your consciousness and to reconnect it to the very core. So ladies and gentlemen boys and girls let's welcome the legend himself Dr. James Hart and let's discover together how to change your brain waves to change our lives. Dr. James Hart I'm super excited super thrilled to have you on the Triple R show, <laughs> I would love to know more about yourself and your experience with the biofeedback and brainwave, and uh, how does
1: it work? First of all, thank you for that uh, very generous uh, and inspiring introduction. A technology uh, embedded in a series of companies like BioSevenot Institute. Uh, of Germany, Bioybernaut Institute of Canada, Bioybernaut Institute of Arizona, of California of Nevada. there's a number of biocybernaut institutes. And uh, a biocybernaut is to inner space what an astronaut is to outer space. The Greek suffix not, AUT means someone who goes on an adventure. This goes all the way back to Greek mythology where Jason and the Argonauts went off searching for the Golden Fleece, which uh, Jason had to find and bring back to the king in order to win the hand of the king's daughter in marriage. And so Jason and his Argonauts had all kinds of adventures with mythical creatures and natural forces. Now, nowadays, we we have astronauts and we have cosmonauts. They explore outer space. And biosyvernaughts explore inner space, the space between your ears, the mind, the last frontier, the final frontier, the ultimate frontier, adventures in consciousness. And biosavernaut is a synthesis of science and spirituality. For at least four centuries since science was created, science and the spiritual or religious uh, realms have been at odds, sometimes even at war. But these are the twin pillars of our culture. And so, better that they should be united. And uh, Ramdas said, "All form is within law." And so, whether it's somebody uh, having a samadhi experience or raising kundalini, it's happening because of natural forces, natural laws, and these are measurable with the right technology. I was the first scientist to report on the brainwaves of Kundalini. What are the results of uh, the BioCybernaut Institute for training uh, and especially for health and well-being? Sure. Well, our principal goals are to reduce suffering and to expand awareness. And over the decades, I've done research in various universities with government grants, private grants um, and company grants in order to demonstrate what are the benefits and they fall into two categories, reduction of bad things and increase of good things. Among the things that are increased are uh, creativity. The Alpha One training, which is a seven-day training program, um, raises your IQ by 11.7 points, almost 12 points. And this boost is stable at least a year out, which is as far as we've tested. There's also a 50% increase in creativity. And and perhaps more important than the boost in IQ is the boost in EQ, which is emotional intelligence. IQ accounts for perhaps 10, maybe 20% of your success in life. But your emotional intelligence, your EQ, accounts for about 60%. So it's the master skill for success in all areas of life. And the bio training increases... The Alpha-1 training, and by the way, there are 24 different levels of the Alpha training, so we're just talking about the first level, raises uh, creativity 50%, IQ uh, 11.7 points, and EQ, the average increase is 15.8 points. Now, given that EQ researchers around the world have studied the effect of a one-point increase in EQ, to translate to $1,300 more income. That's a global average. It includes uh, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, the Maldives, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, Germany, France, um, and Poland and the United States and Canada. So the average global average increase is $1,300 annual income for a one-point increase in IQ. And so if you multiply $1,300 by 15.8 points, you come up with an expected income boost of over $20,000 just from doing the one-week Alpha-1 one training. That's an average. Some people do more, uh, some people do less, but the average is 15.8 points. And so we have increases in a variety of really important qualities or traits. Uh, I've also studied Uh, zen masters in addition to yogis. Uh, In fact, I've had a zen master actually do the training. At the end of the training, he said, why are cybernaught better than having own zen master? And I go, Ruho, you're a zen master. How can you say that? He goes, listen, if you have zen master, he's speaking slightly broken English. If you have zen master, master busy, have many student. You sit, you meditate, you have attainment, Master busy, not notice. Next day, Master see you. See you different. Master give feedback. One eyebrow go up little. At BioCybernaut, feedback all the time. And then he repeated, BioCybernaut better than having own Zen. And so whether it's Zen or yoga or any other meditative tradition, what this process does is it speeds up the process of awakening into higher consciousness. There are also, many uh, health benefits along the way. There are many experts who suggest that 80% of all disease is based on body response to stress. The alpha training profoundly reduces stress. We talked about enhancement of good things. Well, anxiety is profoundly reduced by this training. Now, there are two types. One is called state anxiety, and one is called trait anxiety. The trait anxiety is long-term like, if you're anxious today, you'll be anxious next month, you'll be anxious next year. It's a personality trait. It's with you always. The other is state anxiety. Like if you step off the curb and you almost get hit by a bus and you jump back and your heart's pounding and you're breathing fast, you have a transitory, temporary increase of what's called state anxiety. Well, both of these types of anxiety are profoundly reduced by raising your alpha. In fact, they're negatively correlated. The more alpha goes up, the more anxiety goes down. And I've done studies in universities, uh, some of them funded by uh, federal grants, even double-blind studies, where we demonstrated that increases of alpha reduced a whole range of negative personality traits. Anxiety is just one of them. There's also paranoia and schizophrenia and psychothemia and depression And all of these negative qualities of mind are reduced when you increase your alpha brainwaves, which you can do through meditation or Sufi dancing or uh, shamanic drumming or uh, meditation or brainwave training, just that brainwave training is the fastest. That's an amazingly inspiring insight. I think
0: it's one of the fastest way to hack your consciousness, as you say in your interviews. So I would like to know how important is emotional trauma cleaning and how does bio-cyber not work and how emotional rate, clean emotional trauma, how it can hinder your progress, especially the brain. Oh,
1: what a wise question. Oh my God, that's <laughs> really insightful. That's wonderful. Well, um, I'm in our head world headquarters is uh, in Sedona, Arizona, in uh, the Library of Consciousness. It used to be the public library of Sedona. And then in 2011, Drunvalo Melchizedek, the world famous spiritual teacher, and I bought the building. And we uh, were 50-50 up until uh, December of last year when he wanted to retire and asked me to buy him out. Well, Drunvalo and his wife did the Alpha Training in May of 2007. At the time, he had over 550 teachers around the world teaching spiritual courses. Hmm. And he said to me after the training, he said, Jim, 95% of all the people who do his teachings do not get the fullness of the teaching. 95% don't get it. And he said, the reason's always the same, emotional traumas. And then he added that he's never found anything as powerful as the Not Alpha training for getting rid of emotional traumas. Now, I was apparently blessed as a child Uh, growing up on a farm in Minnesota and in small towns uh, around there. Um, And uh, so I apparently didn't have a lot of traumas. So when I encountered Joe Kamiya and volunteered as a research subject in his lab, uh, there's a fascinating story there about after being a research subject for three days, I went back on the fourth day wanting more because it was the coolest thing I'd ever done in my life. to listen to my own brainwaves. Uh, get scores on them, and to make the changes in consciousness that that required. Uh, so I went back on the fourth day wanting more, but they weren't doing any studies. Dr. Camilla's girlfriend, and Dr. is the man who discovered in 1962 that humans could voluntarily control their own brainwaves if given feedback that was accurate, immediate, and reasonably aesthetic, and so Joanne Gardner, his girlfriend, worked in the lab, and I went to her office and said, Joanne, would you hook me up so I could play? And she did, took me downstairs, put a few electrodes on, put me in the chamber, and then she left, went upstairs, got involved in her work. Later, lunchtime came, and forgetting I was there, she went out to lunch. And so it was in course 11 of a 12-course Chinese lunch that she remembered, like, oh my God, there's somebody in the chamber. And they all rushed back to the, to the lab, And uh, opened the door of the chamber and interrupted the late stages of the most incredible adventure. So there's 10 people standing there. And as I talk about what happened, Paul Gorman, who with his wife had toured India the summer before in their VW camper bus, he would say, oh, that's a meditation experience. And I'd say something else. He'd go, oh, that's a meditation experience. Well, I didn't know what meditation was. I was a Protestant fundamentalist physics major. I just graduated with a degree in physics and so this was all new to me but then the summer was over and i had to drive my motorcycle back across america because i registered for graduate school in psychology i was going to be working with weird stuff and so i better get my professional mind stamped with some kind of seal of approval so when i talk altered states of consciousness or out of body experience or you know seeing astral plane beings that you know people take me uh you know with some seriousness and so I register and then uh, I'm still in this incredible high experience, uh, like still somewhat out of body days later. And uh, so I figured, well, if anybody knows what this was, it's going to be Rolf von Eckersberg. He was a professor of phenomenological psychology at another university. And he had been a graduate student under Timothy Leary at Harvard. And he'd taken tons of LSD and lived at the community broke And so I figured, well, if anybody knows what this is, we're all still not. So I walk into his house and uh, he looks at me and he sees that I'm really profoundly different. He goes, sit up. And he takes one hand and sweeps everything off his desk on the floor and he folds his arms, puts his elbow in the desk and says, okay, tell me what happened. So I'm talking to him. Uh, it went about three and a half hours. Partway through, his neighbor lady came in, stood respectfully in the distance listening, and then left. And she came back with a book and she put the, came, walked forward, put the book at my side. It was the autobiography of a yogi by yoga. Yogananda. And so subsequently, you know, I was initiated into Kriya Yoga by one of Yogananda's direct disciples. You know, I did many years of meditation in that tradition. So it was a union, a synthesis of spiritual practice and scientific practice. That was a lot of information and it was uh, an amazing insight
0: how you got started and especially how she left you and she came back to see you again in that experience. (laughs) So, and you compared it with, and you talked about uh, Mr. Rolf and how, so how do you compare this uh, brainwave training
1: to a psychedelic experience? Could you share some insight? Well, well it doesn't happen so much anymore, but up, up through about the mid-90s, about day three of the seven-day training, people would come out of the chamber and they go, man, that was better than my best acid trip. We recently, has been a lot of interest around the world in plant medicine, like ayahuasca, yeah. Recently had a couple, married couple, come uh, for training. Uh, they run an ayahuasca clinic in uh, Costa Rica. They have influential people from all over the world and they do a lot of good. And they said that their one week uh, training at Alpha was more powerful than many 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 Ayahuasca uh, He had a small portable EEG recording machine, it didn't do feedback, but he went to Peru a number of times and studied Ayahuasca there in ceremonies with Peruvian shaman. And uh, he reported that Ayahuasca increased Alpha at 0102 C3 C4, It's left and right occipital and left in right central. And by coincidence, at which I've been doing the alpha one training for for over 40 years. And there's an organizing principle here, which I haven't stated, which is that brainwaves rule your experiences, your thoughts, your feelings. You cannot have the perception of the color blue unless you have the brainwaves for blue in your occipital region. And so there's a formal scientific way to say it, which we call the psychophysiological principle. In the psychophysiological principle, which is a just another way of saying brainwaves rule, it says that any experience that you have as a living human being, you have that experience only when you have the appropriate underlying pattern of brainwaves. And if you change your brainwaves by any method, by any method that could be drugs, it could be meditation, it could be sex, it could be fasting, it could be Sufi dancing, it could be shamanic drumming, it could be struck by lightning, anything that changes your brainwaves is gonna change your experience. And if you change the brain sufficiently, you will literally change who you are at an identity level. The only thing that's known to do that reliably is a spiritual awakening. Well, bio biocybernaut is a technology for having spiritual awakenings. You can call it hacking your body, mind, uh, and soul. And so, uh, you know, when Drunzlo said uh, that this was the most powerful way of healing emotional traumas that we'd ever found that turns out to be a key because I was finding as I was starting to do the research in the university that most of the people were not having the profound experience that I had had and so I basically did a 20-year detour in my career to develop methods for measuring unconscious emotions which we wrote a computer program called the the sabernod mood scale program that while people are wired up brainwaves are being measured they interact with a computer that shows one at a time emotional words on the screen, friendly, clear thinking sleepy, unhappy, busy angry, sad um, and then they, re- they report how much they feel that emotion at the moment and the computer does very subtle analysis and uh, can then tell me or my other trainers what emotions, positive emotions and negative emotions, are in the person's unconscious. Well, it's an enormous waste to have unconscious positive emotions. That's like having, you know, a billion rupees in a bank account you don't even know they're there. Want to bring them up into your awareness and live from them. And with the negative unconscious emotions, they sabotage your happiness, your performance, your health. And so by bringing them up, now I've developed methods because for sadness, depression, and anger um, we teach a 14-step forgiveness method. for emotions under the heading of anxiety or fear there's different methods uh, like a worst case scenario followed by alpha flooding and so uh, the trainer looks at the mood scales knows what the unconscious emotions are in the person and then they can coach them effectively it's as though the trainers were psychic if the trainer they would know this uh, and in fact in the mid-80s, uh, one summer, I studied a whole bunch of professional psychics. I uh, called them up, found out what their daily rate was, what they would charge. And I brought them to my lab and uh, paid them for one day's work. And I measured their brainwaves. in find eyes open, eyes closed, white noise. And found that they had way more theta and delta waves than ordinary people. Then I asked them to do their psychic accessing, whatever that was. It could be remote healing, or uh, telepathy, or uh, any kind of psychic thing that they would do, remote viewing. Um, and their theta and delta went up dramatically. And so these people, that's so another example of brainwave rule. If you have unusual brainwaves, you can do unusual things. One time, I had a man, no, 80% of all people have their biggest alpha at the back of the head, in the occipital parts of the brain. Well, one time I had a man come in, and it was like his head was on backwards. He had his biggest alpha in the frontal lobes, which are the association cortex. So I said to him, wow, you would make a great strategic planner. And he goes, well, how did you know? That's my profession. And so by having lots of alpha in the association cortex, he can make creative associations between present data, extend trends, and make accurate predictions about the future. And so he's paid tons of money for using this gift of high alpha in the frontals. Now, if he'd gone to some biofeedback practitioners who start with a normative database and compare you to a normative database of 10,000 or 20,000 people, then their whole goal is to train out of you your gifts, your deviant, unusual, abnormal brain waves, and make you more like the C-student, like an average member of the herd. Whereas at BioSignal we celebrate your individual differences and we know that any unusual brain waves you have are going to confer gifts. Like for example, We know what the brainwaves are of people who can see astral plane beings. And so if somebody walks in and they have this brainwave pattern, and I say, do you see angels? And they go, "Well, how do you know? I've never told anybody. In fact, there was one time I was invited to move my technology to a secret army base where they were training U.S. Army Green Berets. And I had the privilege of providing the Alpha One training to 24 green beret, soldiers, super elite, high performance, peak performance, ultimate performance athlete. Before they did the training, I measured their baselines. There were 24 of them, so lots of heads. So I taught them how to put on each other's electrodes, and then I ran them through with simple eyes open, eyes closed, and noise baseline. Then they came in one at a time, and I had a private interview with each one. Well, one of the 24 had the pattern that I recognized as angel pattern. So I'm looking, he's sitting across the, the desk from me, big, huge, buff, skinhead killer dude, and uh, I'm looking at his brain eyes. and I'm looking at him, like, how am I gonna ask him, <laughs> what do I say to him? And so I'm looking at I'm looking at the numbers, and finally I said, do you talk to beings that other people don't see? And he went back, like I hit him with a big two by four, and he's like panicking, like, <laughs> like how do you know? And, and, and he said, I've never told anybody except my best buddy a pain of death. If you would ever tell anybody, how do you know? And I said, well, I see it in your And what? then he said, well, he said when he was doing his martial arts training, there was old Asian martial arts master who would show up and coach him. And nobody else could see the guy except him.
0: What was his brainwave pattern that you could see that he could See the astral being and what are the different patterns you've seen which are quite unusual and which
1: are fascinating for any person to learn what we call an intro pattern, remember I said 80% of all humans have their occipital. that's the biggest, yep. so that leaves a very small percentage of people to have central bigger, frontals bigger temporal bigger, critals bigger yep. and so it's a very small percentage of people who have their central yes. alpha yes. bigger than their occipital and they have to both of them have to exceed certain threshold. And when happens when I see somebody like that, I ask them, "Do you see angels or talk to beings?" Other people don't see them? They always say yes. And how did you know? And if the alpha is really big, and they have it, and I say, oh, "Do you see angels?" And they go, "Oh yeah, there's hundreds of them around me all the time." I, I trained an uh, Indian guru recently, um, who um, she uh, she had uh, been a married woman with children. She had a wonderful husband, and it was 7 o'clock in the evening. She was having dinner. She had a spoonful of peas partway to her mouth, and all of a sudden, Jesus uh, and a number of other high beings, I think Krishna, showed up and said, Okay, it's time for you to leave your household life and come and begin your spiritual mission. And so she left her family. She left her friends and she went into her spiritual calling. Well, guess what? She had an angel pattern. So when I explained to her the reason that she's able to see these high beings just as you and I are seeing each other or if we were together, the is because she has the brain runs. It's like if you have a television and you can only tune into channel 5 and 2 and 7, you don't have any of the programming on 15 or 37 or... But if you then expand your range of the channels you can tune into, then you can experience other realities. You can see CNN, you can see the History Channel, you can see the Sports Channel. So that's a
0: fascinating insight. And it because in India, we always say that you can see angels, but uh, people don't know what to say to them because uh, do you believe them or you don't believe them? Here you prove it scientifically that there are different patterns. And uh, so different people
1: can see different things. Sometimes people come in and they don't have the pattern, but they develop it in the course of the week. One of the most fun examples was. I don't know if you know anything about American football. One of the most famous teams is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I trained uh, several members of the 49ers because I was for a while located in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so uh, one of them came in and uh, he did not have angel pattern, but on day five he developed. And so my technician came running, Jim, Jim, you got to look. So I went and looked, and I go, it's going to be very interesting. When he came out of of the chamber, He was terrified. Now, I can't say he was white as a sheet because he was a big black guy, but it took a half an hour of coaxing before he was calmed down enough to tell me what had happened. And three angels had showed up in his chamber and they went, you haven't been living a very good life. And "Ah!" he was like freaked out. He even stopped drinking coffee from that encounter. And so, yes, if you, if you don't have the pattern, you don't see them. And if you develop the pattern, then you do see them. Sometimes people will have the pattern for a few minutes and then not for hours, and then they'll have it for a few minutes and then not for hours. And so these perceptions can come and go. Some days you see them, some days you don't. It's a function of your brain waves. Remember, brain waves rule your life, your perceptions, your experiences your thoughts, your feelings. You can only have an experience if you have the right brainwaves. Doctor, for a modern
0: man or for a biohacker, what are the food or the supplements he can have to have ideal or better brain brainwaves, like more of alpha? What do you suggest and
1: what do you suggest? Well, as all the Brahmins in India know, you must avoid onion and garlic. So it's true, like
0: in India, we always say, the yogi said never have the onion, garlic, and even the tamasic
1: food which is like uh, you're not supposed to have those kind of food because it affects your brainwave yes particularly onions and garlic and all the members of the onion family like leeks and scallions and shallots and chives you want to avoid those also what about but coffee alcohol caffeine and nicotine you avoid those entirely because in the indian yogic community they always say avoid the
0: caffeine because it's yes turbulent. but in all the modern biohacking world caffeine with uh, nowadays the bulletproof coffee with the olive oil is, is the uh, fashion nowadays in India as well it's coming up and everyone is having their coffee well just because something is fashionable doesn't mean that it it's good for you and you, you know it scientifically how good it is for you because you can measure it
1: exactly with your well design. yes and, and caffeine going to be more harmful if you have an empty stomach if your stomach is full it takes longer for it to get into the bloodstream but it reduces your alpha which is necessary for meditation or any high experience nicotine the same Uh, Nicotine, because typically people take it through smoking, it goes right from the lung into the bloodstream, and it'll knock the alpha down within seconds of having a puff of uh, cigarette smoke. Uh, Alcohol. Um, has a biphasic response, you know, it's in an industrialized world for people to have something they call happy hour. That they get off their work, their stressful job, and they go and they start drinking alcohol. And it's not actually happy hour, it's happy three quarters hour because what the first thing the alcohol does is it produces muscle relaxation and so the tension that that people have been carrying all day at their stressful job, they begin to let that go and that produces a short-term increase in alpha, which makes people happier. But then about 45 minutes into the drinking, the central nervous system suppressing effects of alpha begin. and the alpha goes down, 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 down. I was in my research able to show that if somebody had one beer 24 hours ago, their alpha baseline levels would be lower the next day, 24 hours later. And what food we can eat to
0: increase our alpha or what supplement you should... Have well,
1: one thing that enhances alpha is the scent of lavender. Whereas the scent of musk suppresses it. Having lavender uh, scent is, is helpful, and having musk is unhelpful. A lot of people get pretty, we say, emotional about food. You know, for example. vegans can be actually quite angry and hostile with people who eat animals. People who are omnivores can look at vegans or vegetarians as silly. Uh, I think the long-term evidence is that the healthiest diet is someone who is a vegetarian who occasionally has animal products meat-based poultry and things like that i was a vegetarian for five years following the yogananda methods, but i found that and i'm a type a blood which is the natural born vegetarian but i found that long term it didn't work well for too much time to weigh and measure the grains and the legumes and soak things overnight and. You know, when I didn't have a job when I was a grad student, that that was fine. But, uh, you know, if I'm running trainings and working 17 or 18 hours a day, um, you know, it's, it should we say, not confused. Uh, tell us more
0: about what, how is average person's brainwave and uh, how is it different to a yogi's brainwave or how do you compare brainwaves waves a brainwave? Well,
1: brainwaves are as unique as fingerprints. Uh, and unlike fingerprints, which are stable from day to day, year to year, uh, your brainwaves change moment by moment. And so it's possible for uh, people to be uh, characterized as uh, having a stressful, anxious brainwave pattern or as a creative brainwave pattern. What's interesting is that the brainwaves of creative people and normals do not when they are at rest. Uh, Colin Martindale did some studies in the mid-80s where he put groups of uh, creative people in his lab, one at a time, and then groups of normals who were not creative, they were demographically matched. And at rest, there was no difference in the brainwave. But when he gave the people problems to work on, the normals sat there in their normal brainwave state and did only as well as normals usually do but the creative people had the ability to suddenly turn on big bursts of alpha, and within those big bursts of alpha, they quickly and efficiently solved the problems in a manner that distinguished them as creative people. And so, Colin Martindale said, creativity is simply a matter of being able to turn on the right brainwaves. Like fingerprints, which are stable, brainwaves fluctuate. And so, if you have, you know, a Lamborghini and uh, you have Hugo, a little, a uh, small box car from Yugoslavia. It's not made anywhere, but you put people in them and you can drive them around town and you can go shopping and so on. Now, if you take them out on the highway and there's a performance situation where you need to pass the truck, the Yugo is not going to be able to do it, but the Lamborghini is going to quickly accelerate to 260 kilometers per hour and zip around the truck and avoid accidents and be able to stop on a dime. And so uh, to really understand the differences among people, it's necessary to look at them in performance situations. Now, that said, I did tell you earlier that psychics, professional psychics, have higher resting levels of theta and delta than normals, And when they do their psychic accessing, the theta and the delta levels go up even higher. It works both ways. The beautiful thing is that whatever your brainwaves, they're changeable. With the uh, Biosybernote technology, there's even a brainwave pattern that I recognize. If people come in to the Biosybernote centers on their day one, if in their eyes closed baseline, they don't have any score, any two-minute scores higher than 400 I tell the technicians double the game and I know that that person has either attempted suicide or seriously considered and so that energy is then, shall we say, frozen in the brain and then with training, people can forgive themselves for, or others for whatever the reasons were why they seriously considered suicide How do you know that? What kind of brainwaves... Is- Well, like I said, we have electrodes, bilateral occipital, O1, O2, bilateral central, C3, C4, bilateral temporal T3, T4, and bilateral frontal, F3 and F4. And if none of those eight head sites shows a two-minute alpha score in our scoring system larger than 400, I know that person seriously considered or actually uh, actually attempted suicide really fascinating to understand about it and learn about it
0: could could you share some insight what is uh, alpha delta theta and what is an ideal level or uh, how we can work towards uh, being more creative or what are
1: different kind of states of uh, just for a normal person to understand well the best way uh, most people have had the experience of taking a prism and taking it out in the sunlight and having sunlight go through the prism, and it breaks it down into the rainbow spectrum orange, yellow, green, blue, you know, violet, ultraviolet. Well, in the same way, we take a channel of brain waves and pass it through the electronic equivalent of a prism. It's interesting, the silicon chips are you know, based on quartz. and then it breaks the brain waves down into a spectrum. The slowest brain waves are delta, that's like the red light. And as you go up the spectrum, There's theta, which is a little faster. Schumann is faster. Alpha is faster. Beta is faster, and the fastest brainwaves are gamma. And so that would correspond to the ultraviolet, whereas delta would correspond to the red in the visual color spectrum. And some people, you know, run all of these. Some people don't have, for example, Schumann. And so, but any brainwave pattern is trainable. Brain can learn how to produce these patterns. And when it does, there are profound shifts in the person's skills and abilities um, and their level of consciousness. Uh, the, one study done in Japan in uh, 1966 by Kasumatsu and Harai, they wanted to study the brainwaves of Zen meditators. So they went to Zen masters with temples in the two main branches of Zen. Like in Christianity, there's Protestant and Catholic, the two main branches of Christianity. Well, in Zen, there's two main branches. One is called Soto. The other, it's called Rinzai. So they went to Zen masters of the Soto tradition and of the Rinzai tradition, and they requested permission to measure brainwaves of the monks as they were sitting in meditation. Permission was granted. Further then, they asked the Zen masters to rate the monks for level of spiritual development, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Well, the first thing they noticed was that nobody was rated advanced who had less than 21 years of daily practice. And the patterns were as follows. In the beginners, which were typically zero to six years, alpha increased occipital. In the intermediate, which were six to 21 years, the alpha increased occipitally and then spread forward on the head. And in the advanced, which was 21 to 40 years of Zen, those things happened. But in addition, the frequency of the alpha slowed a little bit, and theta waves began to be produced at the frontal sites. Well, that exact pattern of advanced then takes minimum 21 years to produce with the arduous discipline. And self-abnegation of Zen practice, but in BioCybernaut, you can do it in a week. The pattern of Zen, 21 to 40 years of Zen, can be produced by ordinary non-meditating non-medi- people in just one week. Now it's a long week; the days may be 12, 14 hours long. But you know, if you're wanting to make 21 to 40 years of progress in a week, you can't expect to you know work nine to five.
0: So I would love to give a Zen master a complex who has practiced for 10 years by week in bio Cybernaut institute. For- (laughs) So uh, learning from different people like the Zen masters and the Indian yogis, how do you compare
1: the brainwaves of Zen master and Indian yogis? Okay, both the superconscious state in yoga, which is Satori, which is Samadhi, and the superconscious state in Zen, which is Satori, are characterized by very high alpha all over the head. But are big differences. For example, studies done in India with yogis in Samadhi, they would be sitting there, alpha and they would take a pair of cymbals, big brown metal objects, and clash them together right next to the yogi's ears. No ripple in the eye. Then they would take a piece of metal and heat it in a fire till it was red hot and put it on the yogi's arm so the flesh was burning and the smoke was curling up. No ripple. Then they would take that arm and put it in a bucket of ice water, which would of course minimize the burn damage. Now an ordinary person, it's called cold presser stress. Most people can handle it maybe five minutes. Half an hour later, the yogi's arm is in the ice water and his alpha is unrippled It's just pouring out. And so, this is sufficient to produce the basic principle of yoga philosophy, which is that the phenomenal world is maya or illusion. And it's consistent with those brain waves. But in Zen, it works very differently. A Zen monk in Satori superconscious state. Again, lots of alpha all over the head. Now you take a little bell, tinkle, tinkle, and you ring it. And the alpha blocks. And yogi clashing loud cymbals, and the alpha didn't block. Tinkle, tinkle, the alpha blocks. But then it comes back. You ring the bell again, tinkle, tinkle, and the alpha blocks. Now, with an ordinary person, after five or six tinkle, tinkles of the bell, the brain goes, oh, it's that bell again. It's not interesting. It's not dangerous. And so the alpha blocks. But the thousandth time you ring the little bell by the Zen monk, the alpha will block. There's a, an English poet named William Blake, and one of his lines was, when the doors of perception are cleansed, Everything appears to man as it is, namely infinite. And so every tinkle of the bell is brand new and fresh. Now, the differences between Zen philosophy and Yoga philosophy can almost entirely be explained by these differences in the response to phenomenal reality in the superconscious state of Zen, which is Satori, and the superconscious state of Yoga, which is Samadhi. So you have differences in culture that evolve from this. Dr. James Hart, it's a dream come true to have
0: you on the Triple R Show. So thank you for coming here and joining. It's a big honor. And uh, it has been a dream morning. I'm super, super grateful for you and i look forward to see you in india sometime you are more than welcome to be uh, our guest sometime and uh, thank you i'd like to thank you again and uh, and to all the listeners who are listening so till the time we meet again stay pranic with lots of zeal and no, thank you doctor thank you sir. okay
1: bye now